So we come to the last part of this series called New. And as we were approaching it and thinking particularly about seeing new things today, I thought, what better way to start this service than show, start this talk than by sharing with you something that I have seen in the last couple of weeks that was new to me. A dog playing Jenga. How does that sound? Here's a, here's a little clip of it. Okay, now, I know what you're probably thinking in that. It doesn't know the rule of Jenga, does he? It, the blocks are supposed to go back on the top of the tower. So I thought, I have a search here. Are there any animals that play it properly? Yeah. Come on. There you go. It's my turn. <laughs> okay. Now you pick one. <laughs> All right. I'm getting pretty good at this. Well, there you go. I've never seen anything like that before, have you? Um, maybe there's a new game to teach if you have pets. Seeing new things, and uh, the heart of what I want to talk about this morning comes from this verse from Isaiah 43, verse 19. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? It's part of this series that we've been doing at the beginning of a new year, at the beginning of a new decade, asking ourselves the question, as we enter this new time, how can we be equipped before God with new life, new hope, new love, and new sight? And today, I want to talk about this idea of new sight. We've asked over the last couple of weeks questions like, how much hope do you have going into 2020? How much love do you have going into 2020? And today, I want to ask you, how good is your sight going into 2020? I'm not asking about your physical vision here, just in case you're wondering whether you wear glasses or contact lenses. We're talking about spiritual sight. How good are we at seeing the things of God? How good is your sight? 
So as we do that, let me, first of all, that's what we're going to be getting onto and talking about, but I think to do that, it's helpful for us to put uh, this passage into a bit of context. Uh, this passage is written to the people of Israel at a very difficult time in their lives. The country has been invaded by uh, an empire called Babylon, and Babylon has a particular political way of being, which means what they do is when they conquer a land, they take people from the conquered land, take them out of the communities in which they live, and take them to other places in the empire. Uh, and they do this, they very often will take the best of the people out of that particular con conquered country in order to remove any hope of uh, a rebellion rising up amongst those people. So they take them out and place them into a different country, a different area, where the language will be different, where the culture is different, the whole way of life is different. Now imagine for somebody who has been taken from your place of birth, you are oppressed, all that is of value has been taken from you, and now you are moved against your will to another part of the world where they don't speak the same language and they have different, um, different cultures. It's a difficult time, uh, and the people lament. They are sad because of what has happened. Uh, and there's a further question for them to ask as well, what of God in all of this? What of God in all of this? You see, Israel wasn't alone in worshipping a God, but the surrounding areas and nations worshipped many different gods, many false gods. But it was believed at that time that what happened in your nation showed the strength of the God that you worshipped. So here we are, we've got a people who have been conquered. They're distributed, they're resettled in different places of the Babylonian Empire. And they're left with a question, where is God in all of this? You see, there are two possible answers given their situation. One, God is not as powerful as we thought. There are other gods who are more powerful than him. Our God has been defeated. Another thing they could look at and say is, well, no, it's not that. God has rejected and abandoned us. Those are two things that they could look at. And Isaiah in this passage is addressing both of those. Firstly, that God is not as powerful as they thought, or God is not with them in the situation. Earlier on, we didn't read this. But those of you that know the song, He's Got the Whole World in His Hands, will have these words that are probably familiar to you. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Has God abandoned the people of Israel in their difficult times? The answer is no, definitely not. He is with them. He is walking with them through the fire, through the storms. As an aside, it's not what I want to say today mainly. But when we are in difficult situations, and we can get to that point of saying, God, are you there? Have you abandoned me? 
The answer is, he is with you in your situation. He walks through the fire. He is with you no matter what. That was the message for them today, and it's a message that we can hear today as well. The second question about, is God powerful enough to do anything about this? He says in verse 14, the first verse of our reading today, it says, this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I will send to Babylon and bring down as fugitives all the Babylonians in the ships in which they took pride. In other words, what he's saying is, I am more powerful. This empire might seem powerful to you. They might have moved you. It it might feel like your God has been defeated. Nothing could be further from the truth because I will come and I will change the situation and Babylon will be defeated. Here's another aside. There may be those of us here today who are facing situations which just seem so difficult, so impossible, we wonder how can they ever change? Too big even for God? And the answer we hear in this scripture reminds us again, tells us this wonderful truth, nothing is too big for God to deal with. If you are here today and facing situations that you just think, this is such a big thing, I don't know how I can cope with it, God is bigger. God is with you, and God will be victorious. That's all the aside. Now I come to what I want to really say today. And it's this question that given that, and given the situations in our lives, I believe that God, even when it feels like we're facing difficult situations and we're wondering what God is doing, I believe God is with us, and God is always at work, and so the question is, not is God doing anything, but can we see what God is doing? How good is your sight? And I share this today as somebody who longs to see what God is doing, but sometimes, to be honest, finds it hard. And I suspect many, maybe most of us, at one time or another, will look at situations and say, God, where are you? What are you doing here right now? I believe you are powerful. I believe you are at work. I believe you're with us, but I can't see it right now. How good is your sight? Well, that's the context. How good are you at seeing what God is doing? And there are two things, two questions that I want to reflect on. Can we see beyond the situation, can we perceive what God is doing? Those two things. Can you see beyond? Can you perceive what God is doing? Got a few pictures to show you. Can you see what these are pictures of? Fishermen. A couple of people fishing, a couple of people on the boat, some people bringing fish to the shore. A bird, a robin, singing. Somebody filling up their bottle of water, wanting a drink probably. It's not hard, is it? It's quite easy to see these things. But you know what? When Jesus saw fishermen fishing one day, 
He didn't just see the fact that they were fishing. He saw Simon Peter and Andrew, his brother. And he saw in them the people who would be his followers and who would one day play an integral part in the early church. Seeing the birds of the air. Jesus didn't just see them, he saw the birds of the air and used them as an illustration to speak of God's love. You know, the birds of the air, they don't sow or store away, but your heavenly Father feeds them and makes sure that they are cared for. How much more valuable are you than they? One day, Jesus would meet a woman at the well. Uh, And she was there to maybe get a drink. But he knew she needed something more than that. She needed living water, not just physical water, living water from the well of Jesus, who could give her the water of life that would mean she would never be thirsty again. Just some illustrations here to say, look, on one level, you can see pictures. We can see all the things that are going on in the world around us. Can we see beyond that to begin to have the eyes that Jesus has and the eyes that Jesus sees with? Can you see beyond the physical, beyond the current situation to see what God might be doing? And here's one of the challenges for that. It's the challenge of, can we see beyond? We need to be able to see beyond what God has done before. Within this passage, there's this this moment where it refers to a particular time in Israel's past, where once again they were oppressed by the Egyptians, and they were slaves. And God rescued them from that situation. Those of you that know the Old Testament story in Exodus may be familiar with this, of that time when um, they were enslaved and Moses was leading them, uh, and God sent various plagues on the people of Egypt until Pharaoh's heart was eventually led to let them go. And so the people were able to leave their bondage, their slavery in Egypt, and they set out. But Pharaoh changed his mind, and he chased after them with their armies, ready to force them back to Israel. And what did God do? God parted the sea so that the Israelites could walk safely across. And then the waters came back and engulfed the Egyptian army. The people were saved. The people were released. God, we're crying out to save you. God, what are you going to do this time? Are you going to part the seas of the Euphrates River so that we can cross over it? And then as once we've crossed over, the Babylonian army will come and then the waters will crash back over them and we will be saved. And God says to them in that potential thinking, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. And I think what he's saying there in this context is this. Don't hold on to the fact that I did it this way in the past, which means I'm going to do it this way in the future. It doesn't mean forget the fact that I've released you and freed you in the past. They need to hold on to that. But forget the way that I did it. See, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Sometimes we can end up putting God in a box of our experience. This is the way I've seen God work. 
This is the way he's impacted my life. That's the way that he does it. So that's the way he will do it again. And I just wonder if sometimes what God wants to do is take us out from that box and say, see, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? And actually, I believe in each one of our lives, God is doing a new thing this year. It may be different from what he has done in the past. It may be a continuation, or it may be something completely different. Can you see what God is doing? Can you see beyond the day-to-day to where God is right now and how he's working in your life? Because he is working in our lives. Can you see beyond? Can we see a new thing? Um, moving on to the second thing. I saw this picture. It was on the internet, and um, it, it caught my attention because it had a headline of brain teaser uh, and those kind of things. I quite like little challenges like that. And um, clicked on it, and this is the picture they showed, and they said, can you see the receipt in this picture? Now, it might be quite difficult for you from a distance of where it is, but they said on there as well, the record was 13 seconds. I think you've had about 13 seconds now. So I'm going to show you. As I say, it's probably more difficult where you are from there as looking at on a computer screen. It's up there at the top. There is a receipt. Uh, and, and that picture set me thinking a little bit. You know, one of the challenges about perceiving what God is doing is all the other things that are going on in our lives. The busyness of the everyday, the routines, the things we have to do. It's not that there's anything wrong with that, but actually it can mean we stop seeing what God is doing. You see, if I don't take time to look at that picture, I'm never going to see where the receipt is. It's only when I take time to look and not give it a casual glance, when I'm really looking and searching, that actually I can see it. It took me about 20 seconds when I did it. But I had to stop and I had to look. Can you perceive it? This is what I want to ask us today. Can we see what God is doing? But the challenge is this. How much effort are we putting into seeing what God is doing? Because it can be so easy to just be so caught up with all the things that are going on in our lives, to move from day to day with the busyness, with the tasks, even with reading the Bible and praying, which are great things to do, but we can be so caught up, I've got to do it, I'm doing this, and we get it done, and we stop and say, am I really seeing what God is doing? Can you perceive it? There's many things we can do. Let me just ask you this. How many of us wake up in the morning and our prayer is this? God, please show me what you're doing today. Would it help us draw our attention to look for the things that God is doing? How much effort are we willing to put in in the amount of time we give to worshiping God and praying and singing to him? How much effort are we willing to put in to spiritual disciplines like fasting because we want to say, I want to see what you're doing, God. 
So many of us would probably say, yes, of course I'd love to see what God is doing, but we want it shown to us so clearly and so quickly without us putting the effort in. Uh, We didn't read this, but it goes on in verse 22 to say this, you have not called upon me, O Jacob. You have not wearied yourselves for me, O Israel. You have not brought me sheep for burnt offerings and honored me with your sacrifice. In other words, they've not really tried. And the challenge that I want to offer to myself, but share it with you as well, is this. How hard are we looking? How hard are we looking? Because God is at work. Do you perceive it? Can you see the new things that he is doing? Because he is doing new things. May God give us the sight And the last thing, very briefly, that I just want to say about the things that we can see, and this is our experience of God, is we see a relational God. Let me just read some of these verses again, and I'll highlight some words. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord, in verse 15, your Holy One, Israel's Creator, your King, Verse 20 and 21, the wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. We are God's people. Can you see that and experience it today? We are God's people, a God who loves us. And you know what? I believe that as we get better sight at what God is doing and who he is, it will breathe to us new life, new hope, and new love. And that's my prayer for each one of us in the year and indeed the decade ahead. Amen.